Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my captain. I'm telling you straight. It's my way or the highway. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good. And it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. That's right, 30-something movie podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today. This, uh, My name is John Reed. I am the host of the podcast, and I am going solo this time around, which is my favorite pun to use every time I talk about some kind of a Star Wars movie, um, and that's what I'm here to do today, is I just saw Rise of Skywalker last night, and I know the other guys have not had a chance to see it yet, so I am just kind of jumping in here with some initial reactions. I have a lot of reactions, so I'm sure we're going to be talking about this over the course of a good stretch of time, um, and we're going to keep coming back to this probably in some of our next episodes whenever I get back together with the other guys. The only problem with this is, you know, us being teachers, it is now the beginning of winter break, so we do not have much of a time to get back together again for at least a couple of weeks. So that being said, it will probably be a little while until we can get everybody else's opinions on this. Maybe I can get them to call in to the voicemail line. I would love for you to call into the voicemail line, too, if you've got some thoughts on this movie now that you've seen it, if you've seen it, then please feel free to call in to our voicemail line. It's 872 872- Three five six six eight four three. I'm also going to say the, um, and I know lately it's been pretty inconsistent with our uh, recording quality and things like that. Things have been really, really crazy busy. There have been plenty of times where I have not had an opportunity to sit down with my actual recording equipment and uh, you get this banged out. And today is no different. I pretty much have my iPad with me and that's it. So I wanted to just kind of get these initial thoughts down while they were still fresh in my mind. So the audio quality may be just a tiny bit different than it has been in the past. Uh, I am also fighting a bit of a cold, so I do apologize if I sound a little bit like this. Um, So I'm going to really try not to, but uh, as much as possible, I'm going to try to not sniff too much into the iPad microphone here. So, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. If you've listened to the show before, you know that I had an opportunity to go to Star Wars Celebration in Chicago, and I was super excited about that. I was able to get some of the lottery tickets to get into one of the rooms to be able to be there when they were showing the trailer and uh, interviewing the cast members. I did not get to be in the actual room, to quote Hamilton. I was not in the room where it happens. I was in one of the satellite rooms where they were showing everything on a feed on a big screen. Still really fun like just people all around with their lightsabers and we were singing weird owls the saga begins and it's just a really really fun time uh i will say that when i first saw that trailer back at star wars celebration i just lost it i it went nuts i mean it was it was exciting it was everything i was hoping to see in the first trailer for this final movie of this trilogy and and the movie that would wrap up the nine-movie Skywalker saga. Um, Just, yeah, I left that, and I was like, oh, wow, especially at the very, very end. I didn't do our spoiler alert, but we're talking about a movie that just came out yesterday, so spoilers. Um, Yeah, just really excited about it when I saw that first trailer, and and just the, the fact that you had uh, Ian McDiarmid, the Palpatine laugh at the end of it all, and uh, that, that line that he said, and then the laugh at the end, and then, um, you know, have him come out on stage when he was there at Star Wars Celebration. Just amazing. Uh, so fast forward many, many months later, and the movie is finally out. You know, we've gotten all the trailers, all the TV spots, all the speculation, everybody just running rampant with all kinds of different ideas. 
on how they were going to wrap this up and and what this means for Ray and Fo. Uh, Fo. Um, maybe that's how it, when you if if for the people that are shipping um, Poe and Finn, maybe it's Fo. Uh, it's either that or Pin Pin or Fo, Pin Fo Pinfish. Sure, whatever. Um, I'm conflicted with this movie. Let, let's let's start off with just kind of initial thoughts. Actually, let me start off with my first initial thought. This movie was a lot of fun. This movie, to quote another one from Hamilton, man, the movie was non-stop. This movie, I had somebody texting me, a friend from work texted me just a few moments ago, and they asked, had I seen the movie yet? They're not going to see it until Sunday. And I said, yes, I saw the movie. And I said, a couple of thoughts for you. Don't buy a drink at the movie theater because there are no good bathroom breaks. This thing is nonstop from beginning to end. There is barely a moment to catch your breath uh, in a lot of the, uh, the plot beats of this movie. So it's chock full. I mean, you could pretty much tell that J.J. Abrams and company knew we've got one movie to cram in as much stuff as we can possibly cram in. Let's go. And so they definitely do. So this, I mean, this movie is a ride from beginning to end. Um, so I'm going to do my initial positive thoughts because I, I do have some that are on the other side. So I'm going to do my initial positive thoughts. And I kind of just did a almost stream of consciousness writing down of notes last night when I got out of the movie. Um, went to one of the nine o'clock shows and uh, because of work, I couldn't get any earlier, but I got to one of the nine o'clock shows. So I got out about 11.45 or so, got home, and I'm sitting there, and I just, I, I couldn't go to sleep yet. Like, I, I got to write some stuff down. So pretty much everything I'm going through here are those initial thoughts as I wrote them down, just one right after the other last night. And I think I took several pages of notes. So there we go. So the initial thoughts, positive overall initial thoughts, a lot of fun, nonstop. Uh, I loved seeing different aliens and cultures. I, I thought the scene where they go to Pasana and they have that festival, that was a lot of fun. Like, I really liked that scene. Just to see, you know, another alien culture doing what they do. Like, that's one of the things I really like about Star Wars. One of the things I've really liked about The Mandalorian is as they go to some of the different planets, you get to see examples of different cultures and how things are done in these different places. Um... And, and some of it was just very different from what we've ever seen in a Star Wars movie before. So that part to me is always a lot of fun. You know, it doesn't necessarily tie into the overall Star Wars mythology at all. But, you know, it's just like, to me, something like that is akin to the cantina scene from the very first movie. It's you get just kind of this broad overview of look at how many different creatures and people and, and whatnot are in the galaxy. Um, just thought that part was really cool. Palpatine was great. I mean, he was an amazing performance. I mean, Ian McDiarmid knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, he was... It, it had me thinking he was the villain they needed from the beginning of this trilogy. If it, if it wasn't going to be Snoke, if Snoke was truly going to die in The Last Jedi, then Palpatine needed to show up before this movie. We'll get into a little bit of that later. Um, I did like how the heroes were very comfortable around each other. It was a good balance of the seriousness and the humor. Um, you know, there were moments in the previous movies where they were just getting to know each other. So it was a little bit awkward, um, but they were very comfortable around each other by this movie. I have something to say on the flip side of that, but right now we're, we're just doing positive. Uh, so yeah, has a good balance of seriousness and humor. Lots of fan service in this movie. You get to see old locations. Um, again, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but you get to... Well, actually, I said we're doing spoilers, so spoilers. Uh, if you don't want to know, then don't listen to this yet. Go see the movie. Um, you get to see... It's, it's a moon in the Endora system, so I don't know that that means that you're necessarily on the same... Uh, forest moon of Endor. Uh, so when the Death Star 2 exploded and the wreckage came down, I don't know that that's necessarily Endor Endor that we're thinking of from Return of the Jedi, but you do get to see, you do get to see that. Uh, you do get to see, there. of course, Lando is in this movie. 
you end up seeing Wicket uh, at one of the points of the movie, and I guess Wicket's son, uh, or Wicket's child. And um, yeah, just a lot of different bits and pieces from past movies. Uh, I remember hearing that Wedge was going to be in this movie. He is for like, I think he has one line. He's there for like 0.75 of a second, um, but he is in this movie. So you get a bunch of things like that. Uh, I really thought the the part where they had all the voices of the past Jedi was fun. I would have loved to have seen them as force ghosts, as, as spirits, um, but you do only hear them audibly. So uh, yeah, that part I thought was a lot of fun too, just the fact that they were all kind of banding together to, to try to encourage Rey to make her final stand there at the end of the movie. Uh, the Redemption of Ben Solo. I liked how it was done. I thought they did pretty good with that. Uh, it was very quick, so I do have some criticisms of how fast that turnaround seemed, um, especially given what happened kind of in The Last Jedi, that it, I feel like maybe that needed to... I don't know. I, and maybe I felt like it needed to come across differently. Though as I think about that, I mean, the, the redemption of Darth Vader does seem to kind of come around fairly quickly. He's still, you know, massively evil dude in Empire Strikes Back, and then all of a sudden we get the conflicted Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. So the more I thought about that, I'm like, oh, okay, I, if I look back at the other trilogy, then I was pretty quick too, or it seemed pretty quick uh, looking back at it. Um, <clears throat> I did like jumping to the very, very end of the movie. Um, I did like the ending where Rey goes back to uh, Luke's uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's farm, the moisture farm on Tatooine, and somebody rides up and, and basically asks her, I don't remember exactly what the words are, but she says, you know, nobody's lived here in a very long time, uh, who are you? And she says, Ray Skywalker, which obviously is a little bit of a change because, again, spoilers, I'm not going to keep saying spoilers, that's the last time, uh, she is a Palpatine, and we find that on very early on in the movie, um, but by the end of the movie, she has decided to take on the name of Skywalker. Um, because one of the lessons of this movie or one of the messages of this movie is that family is what you make of it. Family is not necessarily blood. Family is not necessarily biology. Um, family is those who are most important to you and, and what are your priorities. Real quick too, it was fun to see Han Solo again uh, as he shows up as, a, as an apparition from within Ben Solo's memory <clears throat> and how it was kind of a uh, a reversal of the entire scene where uh, Kylo kills his father in The Force Awakens. So I, I liked how that scene was done. That, to me, was probably one of the most emotional scenes of the movie when that all took place. All right. Um, I think that's it in terms of what I wanted to say on the positive side of things. Now, I do want to say, let me throw in a couple of quick uh, prefaces here. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I, there are no Star Wars movies that I hate. I don't hate any Star Wars movies. My least favorite Star Wars movie is Attack of the Clones. Um, just because there are just, it, there's so many cringy moments in that movie. That's really the only reason. But the action, um, the type of things you get to see, the, the massive amounts of Jedi, the battles, the <clears throat> all that stuff. I mean, even the even the unraveling of the clone plot and all those different things. Um, Attack of the Clones is still a really fun movie. It is my least favorite of all the Star Wars movies, but it is a really fun movie to watch. Granted, I will fast forward through scenes in that movie whenever I go back to watch it sometimes, but fun movie. Um, I know from interacting with some of the people that listen to our show and obviously interacting with anyone who's on Twitter that there is a huge divide between those who liked The Last Jedi and those who very much disliked The Last Jedi. <clears throat> and I've said before, I'm on the other side of things. Uh, I enjoyed The Last Jedi. Um, I, If I were to try to think about where I would rank it in terms of other Star Wars movies, it definitely wouldn't necessarily be anywhere near the top, but it would certainly be probably somewhere around the middle. Um, I know that a lot of people had had problems with the characterization of Luke, um, with how heroes were being deconstructed, and, and typically I'm the same way. Typically, 
you know, in something like uh, Watchmen, when the comic book uh, Watchmen and, and even the movie to a certain degree is deconstructing superheroes. I'm not really a fan of that, typically. I, I look at that and I go, ah, you know what, I, I like my heroes to be my heroes, and I don't need them to be deconstructed. Same thing. I could have totally gone without, you know, Luke Skywalker being deconstructed as part of The Last Jedi, and, um, and, and some of the ways that those characters were handled, but at the same time, overall, I did really enjoy The Last Jedi. Um, there were things about The Last Jedi that just, to me, were very different. It was, it was At its core, it was still Star Wars. But there were things that were done that I think were done very... I, a lot of people give Ryan Johnson a really hard time about that movie. And a lot of people are like, he doesn't understand Star Wars at all. I think, I, I think that's a dangerous thing to say because I think that... And I can't speak for him because I don't know the guy. But I think that everybody comes into Star Wars with a, a different take on it. You know, when my friends and I would play Star Wars as kids, everybody's got their own favorite character. Everybody's got their opinions on, well, a Jedi would do this. Oh, no, a Jedi would, would never do that. That's not how the Jedi do things. Um, you know, this kind of hero would never do this. This hero would never shoot first. This kind of, that type of stuff. Um, and I think that that's one of the issues with The Last Jedi is, I think, from what I could tell, I mean, I, I think he's a Star Wars fan. I think a lot of people, I heard uh, a bunch of people saying, look, that's what happens when you give uh, this movie to somebody who's not a fan. Well, I, I think that's kind of tough to to lay that on somebody and say, oh, he's not a fan. There were a lot of things in The Last Jedi that I saw and, and thought, you know, this is a fan really trying to understand why Star Wars is important, why it's relevant, uh, why... It matters why we love these characters and, and the things that we love. And for the things that people didn't like, and I know even Mark Hamill uh, was not happy with how Luke was portrayed in The Last Jedi to a degree, um, I was fine with it. You know, does it ruin my understanding of Luke Skywalker from the original trilogy? No. Does it taint the legend of Luke Skywalker? Eh, I mean, I, I guess if you just want, maybe if you just want Star Wars to be an escapist adventure story, then sure, I, I could see that to a degree. But I didn't have a problem with it. I, Luke is a conflicted character. I mean, he was a whiny kid on Tatooine. He grew up with an, an aunt and uncle, an uncle in particular that was, you know, not a not a very nice guy to him most times. Um, found out pretty early on that his father was like the Hitler of the galaxy. Um, found out that the girl he had kind of loved for a while was actually his sister. And then, you know, had all these pretty intense experiences. Uh, and then culminating in Return of the Jedi, where he's off, you know, going up against his father and the Emperor. And he leaves that, I'm sure, scarred. Um, you know, the, the adventure is over. They've won, but... I'm sure he's leaving both a little charred and scarred from that experience. And he, I mean, there were times when Return of the Jedi came out and everybody's watching it. There were times where we didn't know if Luke was going to turn to the dark side or not. Um, I do, I appreciate David W. Collins' uh, soundtrack show, and he's been doing the music of Return of the Jedi. And he talks about musical cues that really let us know that, um, you know, this, uh, this kid is conflicted. Like, he may turn to the dark side. There were choices that were made that uh, left that kind of ambiguous so that we weren't sure what would happen. Now, he did come out the other side of it. He didn't turn to the dark side there. And he doesn't turn to the dark side, you know, later on in his life either. But I think part of what people didn't like about The Last Jedi is his reaction to seeing the darkness within Ben Solo and what he did and how that affected him and how he then ultimately put himself in exile and closed himself off from the force. And I, I didn't have a problem with that. And I know, and I'm not saying that anybody who did is, is wrong. I'm, I'm just saying that my experience with the movie was I didn't have a problem with that. Like I could see that 
as a progression that the Luke character could take. And it didn't ruin the original trilogy for me. It didn't ruin the character of Luke Skywalker for me. In fact, completely the opposite. I saw a conflicted man uh, who... And I tried to think, like, how would I react to if I had this burden of being told, pass on what you have learned? And if I had, over the course of my time, if I had learned about the history of uh, the galaxy, if I had learned a little bit of the history of the Jedi, and I had found out that the Jedi, because for all intents and purposes in the prequels, the Jedi are a bunch of jerks, and they really are not upholding the Jedi religion the way that they should be. They're getting too bogged down in bureaucracy and the government, and they get themselves involved in the war, and just, it, it's not what the Jedi should be. And I remember watching the prequels and thinking, hey, this is not what I thought the Jedi were going to be. I thought they were going to be kind of like these, you know, like warrior monk kind of figures that, um, you know, they keep themselves separate from everything else. But when if they need to fight, they'll come and fight. They'll defend people. Um, and in the prequels, you don't get that sense at all. You get the sense that they are, for all intents and purposes, they are corrupting themselves by getting too involved in the business of the galaxy. And so having that burden on himself as the last Jedi to need to train a new generation and try to not make the mistakes that the thousands of Jedi in the past had made, but also knowing what can happen when someone as powerful as Anakin Skywalker turns to Darth Vader, what that did to the galaxy having that burden on you, and then whether it's your nephew or not, you glimpse, you know, you, he says in The Last Jedi that he could see the darkness growing in Ben, and then he makes a split-second decision, you know, he's, he's reading his thoughts, he's trying to look into his future, whatever it was in The Last Jedi, and he makes that split-second decision that it might just be better to cut Ben down than to have this happen to the galaxy. And I will say, I mean, I, that's a, that's a tough question. I, I, I don't want that to, I don't want that to come across as being like, oh, that's an easy question. You, I think that's a tough question. And I, I know, I know I have my own religious beliefs and, and faith and, and, you know, I would, I would never, well, I would like to say I would never kill anyone but I think that's a really tough question because I think if you knew that the person in front of you was going to be responsible for the deaths of millions, billions of people and there was no other way, and in that split second, you felt like there's no other way to prevent this, I don't know what I would do. I, I would like to say that I would try to find another way. But if I really and truly thought that I was seeing no other way out of this, I don't know what I would do. I, don't, I, I really don't know. So I don't have, I haven't been talking a lot about The Last Jedi, that's not even the movie that we're, we're talking about today, but I feel like there's a lot of stuff that comes up in, in Rise of Skywalker that deals with what happened in Last Jedi, and I think it, it tries to answer some of the criticisms of Last Jedi. Uh, I think J.J. Abrams tried to retcon or fix a few things, that's fine. Whatever. You, you know, new you director that came in and, and decided to make a few changes, that's totally fine. But I just want to give some backstory because some of my criticisms of this movie, I think, tie into thoughts that I had behind The Last Jedi. And, and I, don't have a, I don't have a problem with Last Jedi as much as I know some other people do. Uh, but again, if you do, totally fine. That's, that's, you know, everybody comes to Star Wars and comes to any movie with differences of opinion, differences of opinion with regard to characters and characterizations. Um, I will say that there were definitely some things about Luke in Last Jedi that I did not like, um, but just because I didn't like him didn't ruin my enjoyment of the movie, and it didn't ruin my enjoyment of that character. I could see, I'm like, well, well that's not the way I would have done it, but okay, like that, that's an interesting way to take this character. So, okay, now I'm going to get into my more negative initial reactions to this movie, to The Rise of Skywalker. I've already said before, and, and I'm, again, back to my preface, 
I really enjoyed this movie. I had a lot of fun watching this movie. This movie, I would probably put up there with... I don't know. I haven't thought about how I would rank it yet. I know everybody wants to start ranking things, but I, I really haven't thought about how I would rank this movie with regard to the other ones yet. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I, I, I do want to get into some of my more negative reactions. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll put on the dark side here and I will um, get into my more negative reactions on the movie. I felt less emotion in this movie than I did in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. I and I'm, I'm just for for a good portion of this, I'm just comparing it to the other two movies in this trilogy. I was less emotional in this movie than The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Moments in The Force Awakens when Han Solo dies, um, when you see certain characters for the first time, when you see Princess Leia or General Leia for the first time. Um, you know, when you have oh, just, just some of the other beats in, in that movie in particular. Um, it's just when you see Luke at the very, very end. Those, as the kids say, it hit me in all the feels. Same thing with The Last Jedi. Last Jedi, when Leia, when you thought Leia was going to die. You know, when the, when the bridge explodes and she's floating in space and you thought she was going to die. That was emotional. The, uh, the pieces of... Uh, meeting Luke and, and, and Luke's torment kind of what he's going through the oh what else uh, Kylo Ren like all of Kylo Ren's agony throughout that movie of, of trying to um, trying to figure out what his place is in the galaxy and is he going to go to the dark is he going to go to the light is he you know how which is he going to go further in, in either direction um and then just some of those beats, you know, some of them, like the, the kid at the end of The Last Jedi where, you know, he has that resistance ring and he's holding his broom like a lightsaber and, and you know that the legend of Luke Skywalker lives on. Even that, that fight with Luke at the end when he shows up and, and he is facing down uh, Kylo Ren, just all of that. I, I remember just being giddy in the theater for Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and all those different scenes. And I will say, this movie, again, I really enjoyed this movie. I had a ton of fun watching this movie, but I didn't get those kind of highs watching this movie. I enjoyed it, but for me, it was a much more flat enjoyment. There weren't peaks and valleys. Well, I said there weren't peaks. Um, it didn't peak as much for me. Leia's death in this movie, I didn't feel anything when Leia died because all of a sudden it happened and it happened kind of fast and I didn't understand exactly why what she was doing that took so much effort um, you know she knows what needs to be done to save her son or to get to her son or, or whatever and was all of her effort just to distract him while he was dueling Ray and was it gonna was her death supposed to be the catalyst that would bring him back to the light or the I don't know that happened so fast that that cut to that scene came very abruptly and I, I remember sitting in the theater and thinking whoa wait what Leia's doing what who why what and, and then in the back of my mind when she just kind of like lays down and she's holding that metal and and she kind of reaches out in the force and, and Ben stops in the middle of the duel um, and that's when Ray has her chance to run him through with the lightsaber. When Leia lays down and then just dies, I'm thinking, oh, good grief. Just like her mother, maybe she's just lost the will to live. Um, it's a family thing. Maybe it's a genetic deal that you just lose the will to live and you, you, you go on. So I don't know. That, that part, it was not... I saw people tweeting ahead of time uh, when I was, I was trying to stay out of spoilers, but I saw people tweeting ahead of time. And they're like, oh, such a beautiful send-off for the Princess Leia character, for Carrie Fisher and, and the Leia character. And when I actually saw it in the theater, it's like, well, no, 
because <laughs> I, I didn't understand it. And, and you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that I can watch a movie, I can read a book, and I feel like I'm getting pretty much all of the major plot points. Like, I, I, it was my job to teach re- children how to read and recognize what's going on in a story, and that part for me, so maybe it was late at night, maybe there was just something I missed, but I, that, it came up very quickly, and I'm sitting there going, wait, why, what's she, why is she dying? And I think people, people that, to go back to The Last Jedi, people that criticized how Luke died, they're like, oh, well, like it just took so much effort, he just died, well, that's kind of dumb. I didn't have that reaction in The Last Jedi. I'm like, no, they said earlier on in the movie that if Rey tried to do this, the effort would kill her, you know, for the whole force projection thing. Um, Luke is older, he's powerful, he's trying to do this from a half a galaxy away. Uh, I didn't have a problem with that one, but this one, I just, I didn't really know what was happening. Before I knew what was happening, she was dead. Uh, Oh, okay. Um, I had more emotions seeing the um, digitized Carrie Fisher in at the end of Rogue One than I did watching her death in this movie. So that part fell a little flat for me. Um, I think some of my criticisms for this movie, I'm going to uh, I'm going to just kind of direct them directly at J.J. Abrams because I think there's a few things that now I've seen him do in multiple movies that I don't like. And typically I've liked him as a director and as a producer. I think he puts out a lot of great stuff. I really liked the 2009 Star Trek reboot. Um, the movies that came after that, maybe not so much, but I think J.J. is the master of introduce a cool character and then don't use them. Um, you know, you had Captain Phasma in the first movie, and I know a lot of people criticize it and say, well, she died in Last Jedi, and that was stupid because they didn't really use her. She got used, I feel like she got used way more in The Last Jedi than she ever did in The Force Awakens. So basically all she does in Force Awakens is she walks around a little bit, she orders them to shoot some civilians, she tells Finn not to take off his helmet, and then she puts the shields down at the end of the movie. That's all we see. That's pretty lame. Like, that's less action than Boba Fett got in Empire Strikes Back. So you've introduced a cool character, and you didn't use them. Um, The Sith Troopers. Like, I feel like this is one of those things where the marketing and leaked photos and things like that built up these Sith Troopers. They looked really cool. I was like, oh, man, that's the red armor. I love that. That's It's just such a, oh, I can't wait to see how they use these guys. Okay, apparently I'm still going to have to wait to see how they use these guys because other than using them like normal stormtroopers, I didn't see any difference between a Sith Trooper and a normal stormtrooper. And maybe there's not a difference, but that was a bit of a letdown. I was thinking, ooh, are they going to have, has the Emperor imbued them with certain force abilities, or are they going to have weapons that are a little bit different, or I was thinking, hey, maybe this is a step up from the Death Troopers that we've seen in, um, again, spoilers and spoilers for the Mandalorian, Death Troopers that we've seen in Rogue One and now in the Mandalorian. No, they're just straight up stormtroopers that have red armor, that's pretty much it. Um, and then the knights who say Ren, um, the knights who say Ren, yeah, um, I don't know about these guys. I mean, when they were introduced in that, uh, force back or whatever you want to call it, flashback, force back, whatever, in The Force Awakens, and Kylo was referred to as, uh, master of the knights of Ren, I, I mean, these guys, I thought, ooh, the, this could be pretty cool. Like, how are they going to use these guys? Are these kind of like the Inquisitors that we see in Star Wars Rebels and um, and in some of the video games, things like that? And they don't get used the way I would think they would. Um, they're not as, like, I, I think we had built up in our minds that these were maybe some of the students from Luke's Jedi Academy that... Kylo took with him when he burned it all down, but I, I didn't really get a sense of that at all, like what they were, what was supposed to make them special. It actually caused me to think of, jumping back to The Force Awakens, when Kylo Ren, their their duel at the end of the movie, when he says to Rey, you need a teacher, and I see this movie, and I think, okay, well, if, he, if he's the one that taught the Knights of Ren, uh, if he was trying to complete their training, and if he was their teacher... I wouldn't hire Kylo as my teacher. So you need a teacher, but clearly not Kylo Ren, because if if he was teaching them, 
And then if he alone can ultimately take them all out at the end of the movie, then when there's a group of them and one of him, I'm like, hey, you're not a very good teacher then because these guys, the Knights of, <coughs> excuse me, goodness. Um, I get all choked up when I think about it. The the Knights of Ren, the Knights who say Ren, I'm just going to call them that from now on because that's how intimidating they seem to me. Um, the Knights who say Ren, they, I thought, like, these guys are going to be cool. These guys are going to, whatever scenes they have, it's, it's just, it's going to rock. Snoke's guards at the end of The Last Jedi seem to be much better fighters than the Knights who say Ren. So that I was thinking we were going to ramp this up. These are going to be like Snoke's guards times 10. Nope, not really. So I think that's just another case, just like Phasma, you know, like some other times throughout this trilogy, you've introduced a cool character. Uh, maybe it's Aura Singh. It's like the Aura Singh from the prequels. You introduce this cool character just in the one quick shot, and everybody thinks it's going to be a big deal, and it's not. And maybe that's our expectations. But I'm sorry. If you introduce the idea of the Sith Troopers and in your marketing and in your other stuff, if you introduce the Knights Who Say Ren in the first movie, and then you don't bring them back again until the third movie, and this is how you use them? No. No, that part doesn't work for me. Um, another criticism of J.J. is he also has a tendency to try to force emotion. <laughs> force. Get, did you see what I did there? Okay. Um, I love Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. When I saw Star Trek Into Darkness, and we have that Kirk-Spock relationship, Star Trek II... The Wrath of Khan, when Spock dies at the end of the movie, that's emotional. Like, the anger that is there between Kirk and Khan, because we know he's had an experience with him before in the Space Seed episode of the original series. And then he comes back, and he has done all of this stuff to just wear Kirk down. It's a, it's a revenge plot uh, to the ultimate degree. And you have the Kirk and Spock relationship that has been going for years. Like, they have been friends for years, decades at that point, probably. And so when Spock dies and you have that emotional scene at the, at the end of that movie, I get it. Like, that has been earned by those actors and by the storytellers. There were a lot of moments in, well, in Star Trek Into Darkness, not earned at all. These people have only known each other for, I don't know, a couple years or so. They've been antagonistic towards each other. So the fact that Spock and Kirk all of a sudden are supposed to have this bond and and they're supposed to be angry at Khan um, when it's like the first time they've met him, um, that part really fell flat for me. Like that almost ruined that entire movie for me. Um, there were several moments in this movie where I felt like J.J. was trying to force emotion upon us um, 3PO's mind wipe like that whole scene and then he gets it back later for the most part he gets it back later but that whole scene where it's like I'm taking one last look sir at my friends okay I mean <clears throat> that would mean a little bit more if you were talking about Luke and Han and Leia and Chewie and, but in that scene there was no one from the original group of people. You're looking at Finn and Poe and Ray and BB-8, and that's pretty much it. So these are people that he's known for, what, two years? One year, maybe? About a year, year and a half or so? So that piece of it, when he says that in the trailer, they, they have that come across as being a very emotional scene. Um, and I love 3PO in this movie. I love the fact that he got so much screen time and so much interaction. It, I missed that so much in, in the other movies that have been lately. Actually, since the original trilogy, I think this is the most he's gotten since then. And I loved it. I wish they had done so much more of that in the prequels and in uh, the first two movies of this trilogy. So that part, it kind of fell flat for me. Like, I, okay, so... These friends, it's a little bit different than your old friends who you've known for a very long time and you've basically grown up with their family. Um, Ray and Ben's kiss, completely, completely unnecessary. 
I know people, that, I know there's fans, there's people that wanted them to get into a relationship. They wanted to ship uh, Ben and Ray. Um, would that be, well, Ren, I guess we did. Bay, Ren, Bay, Ren, I, I don't know. Raylo, I think that's what everybody calls them, is Raylo. Um, yeah, that, when they kiss at the end, I'm like, that, that kiss was almost, to me, that kiss was almost more awkward than the Luke and Leia kiss once you know that they're brother and sister in Empire Strikes Back. That, that There seemed like there was no reason for it. I know there was some kind of tension between the two of them in The Last Jedi, <clears throat> but this is a guy who she had the father figure in Han Solo. Rey had the father figure in Han Solo. Ben killed his father. You have in The Last Jedi, you start to see them, you, you think that they are bonding with each other, and, and it has kind of this tension of being in almost a romantic way. Um, but at the end of that movie, you you see he's gone, you know, full on dark side. He's the supreme leader now, and, and he has rejected all of that um, and tries to kill her again. So either Rey is just really not good with picking, uh, you know, men in her life, or I don't know this kiss seemed completely unnecessary to me. Like, that's one of the things that I, I really didn't mind about this trilogy was that there was almost no romantic subplot. And I was okay with that. Like, yeah, you don't have to have it. It doesn't have to be in every movie. Um, I, this, that kiss, I felt like was almost just as forced as the Finn and Rose kiss that happened in The Last Jedi. Um, it just, it didn't need to happen. You know, felt like, I didn't feel like it needed to happen at all. Um, didn't add anything, didn't, it seemed like it was at a very weird time. Um, yeah. In, in this movie in particular, I, I did not get, I get the sense that they're bonded through the force with each other, but just that the romantic piece of it was just not there. I got more of a romantic chemistry between her and Poe at different points in the movie than I did with her and Ben. So, whatever. Um, and the celebration at the end. The celebration at the end of the movie where, you know, everybody's celebrating, everybody's having a good time, you see the different planets, uh, you see Cloud City, you see Endor, you did all this different stuff, you see Jack, Jack Who, um, it just didn't have the same vibe for me as the end of Return of the Jedi. And maybe that's nostalgia, maybe that's, you know, that was my first experience as a kid watching those movies and having that be the thing that I've watched over and over and over again as a much more emotional ending to um, the original trilogy movies. This one, I was just like, yeah, okay. So they won. It just didn't It didn't feel the way I wanted a movie that's supposed to be wrapping up a nine-part saga. It just didn't feel like it did. Um, yeah, here in my notes I just wrote, they haven't done much on screen to earn the Ben and Ray kiss, the friendship between Ray, Finn, and Poe. Um, this is the first movie where they've all been together. She just met Poe at the end of the last movie. Um, and they're supposed to be best friends. So I, I don't know that to me, that was just a stretch. That was something that I would have gone back and I would have restructured this entire trilogy, um, to work differently and have them meet up with each other so much earlier. Um, yeah. So I, there's a, there's a lot of stuff about this movie that is just very messy to me. I did not like, I really did not like the way she defeated Palpatine. Scene was cool, like the way he, like his own force lightning melts his own face and everything. That's cool. Like that had Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, moments to it. But I did not like that scene. I did not like, you know, Palpatine was just so overpowered that he could take his force lightning and, and shoot it up into the sky and just start to take out an entire fleet, um, you know, everything. <clears throat> Same with Ray, Ray doing some of the things that she did earlier in the movie, and I know people have criticized that from the other movies that she's too powerful, even untrained. She's ridiculously powerful, and just the scene where Palpatine is like, "I am all of the Sith," and she's like, "And I am all of the Jedi." Do you? But do you need to be? Can't this just be a showdown between Darth Sidious and a, you know, a, a girl who has trained with? General Leia, and she's read the Jedi books, and she's like she doesn't she doesn't need to be an expert in the Force yet. Um, 
I don't know. I just I, that that piece kind of got to me. Um, it's I think it's some of the criticisms people have of like Superman, one of my other favorite characters, and like when Superman is overpowered, it's not as fun, you know, because he's who who's he gonna fight? What's he gonna do? That's gonna be able to stop him. Um, and how is Palpatine gone forever now? Like what his original thing was, he wanted to be killed so he could possess Ray in the first place, and his own force lightning is going to do him in forever, so he's never going to come back again. That part I was a little confused about, too. Um, now, what I think would have been interesting, here's a bit of a missed opportunity, and I've got a whole list of missed opportunities a little bit later to talk about uh, the dagger that they find. I thought that the dagger they found, I thought that somehow this was going to be tied into, and I know that would be confusing for anybody who hadn't seen it, the Mortis trilogy of the Clone Wars cartoon. I think there was a, dra a dagger, a dark side dagger or something involved in that one too. I thought that with this dagger that we saw a couple of different times in some of the trailers, that she was going to take that and that was going to be the way to end him forever. Um, so I don't really know how, what she did or, or what happened is supposed to get rid of him forever. If he was able to come back the first time uh, after being thrown down a shaft, I don't know how the end of Palpatine in this movie is supposed to be the end of him forever. So I, I just, I'm, I'm not sure. I had one comment I made in my little notes here um, where Luke talks to her about knowing that she was a Palpatine and that Leia knew that she was a Palpatine. And my note that I made here was if Luke knew she was a Palpatine and he was so fearful on Octu, if he was so fearful of everything um, that he exiled himself and that he was so hesitant to train her in The Last Jedi, as scared as he was and knowing what she was, he never would have trained her. Like, if, if that was true, he never would have trained her. So I look at that and I'm almost thinking, did they... They have from the beginning. Do they have planned that she was a Palpatine, or because I, I almost don't think that they did. Um, and if they did, did they share that information with Ryan Johnson? And if they shared that information, did he just choose not to use it, or did they not share it, or that I don't know. So that part was kind of weird to me. That if he knew what she was and what the potential for her darkness could be as fearful as he was, he never would have trained her at all. But that's neither here nor there. I guess it is here or there. But um, One of the other parts I had trouble with was the very end. The uh, Oh, they're both dead. Uh, Ray and Ben are both dead. Oh, nope, now Ben's dead. Nope, now Ray's dead. Nope, now Ben's dead. I wrote in my notes, it's a little bit like little kids playing. You know, when little kids play and someone's like, bang, 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 I killed you. No, I have uh, special armor, and I'm alive, and now you're dead because the bullets bounce off of my special armor and hit you, and I have shields that protect me, and um, you're dead now. Uh, no, I'm not dead. I have a power that lets me come back to life, and that's kind of what the end of this movie felt like. I, I can see you know, my wife, who criticized the end of Return of the King, she's like, oh, how many endings does this movie have? I had that exact same feeling when one of them dies, or, you know, quote fingers, dink dink, dies, and then all of a sudden, nope, they're back, but now the other one's dead. Oh, nope, now they're fine, and now the other one's dead. It just, it was this this back and forth, and I'm just sitting there going, come on, <laughs> let's, let's just move on, let's just move on. Um, we have the obligatory... Uh, with great power comes great responsibility moment uh, where we're going to repeat the exact same thing over and over and over again until it just bores into the minds of all the people watching this movie. And uh, it was the, if we don't win, it's all been for nothing. If that was said four, five times, um, then uh, at least four or five times. And I'm like, I get it. This is supposed to be the end of the saga. You're ramming it down our throats. If we don't win, it's all been for nothing. We know that. You don't have to keep saying it. And multiple characters kept saying it over and over again. And it just, it, it, that really bothered me. I'm like, quit saying it. Show. Don't tell. I know that's what I was, that's what I was always taught in my creative writing classes in college. Show. Don't tell. Along those lines, 
I thought it was appropriate that the little droid Dio was apparently voiced by J.J. Abrams, because where I said earlier that I feel like J.J. is trying to force emotion on us without investing the time to actually make us feel that emotion over the course of learning about these characters and these relationships and, and genuinely caring for them in that way. Um, I felt that it was appropriate that he voiced Dio if that's his thing of where he just wants us to quickly, oh, you should care about these people. Because the little Dio droid, when, it was, when something sad happened, he would say, sad. When something happy happened, he would say, happy. Like, yes, this is a sad moment. This is a happy moment. I don't need a little wheelie cone-faced droid telling me that I should be sad or happy. That to me was kind of a, it was, it was a very meta moment. I'm like, hmm, all right, so JJ, you are really and truly flat out telling us we should be sad and we should be happy. That's lazy filmmaking. It is flat out lazy filmmaking right there. Um, and I get it. I get, I get that it's a cute little droid and some of that's gonna be for kids. Totally fine. But it just, it was driving me nuts when that happened in the movie. So, anyway. All right. Missed opportunities. So, I've got some missed opportunities here that I felt, uh, you know, they had some questions they didn't answer in this movie. Uh, Finn and Jaina. I think that was her name, Jaina. So, here's what I wanted to know about them. Is if there's this whole contingent of stormtroopers who defected for because of a feeling, Why? Is at work, was it the force? Finn said, now Finn is saying it was the force. He's force sensitive now. We haven't gotten that in the last two movies. Um, and I'm fine if, if he is. That's totally fine. We didn't, you know, Leia showed no proclivity for the force until Return of the Jedi. So, well, actually at the end of Empire Strikes Back. But, um, yeah, that, that piece of it, I would have wanted to know more. Like, I almost would have wanted Finn to start some kind of a quest to find other stormtroopers, to find out why did he defect and find other stormtroopers who did the same. And what would have been really interesting, knowing that the First Order took these people as children and started to train them as stormtroopers, is would that be the opposite? Would that be like the mirror image of um, how the Jedi would take children and bring them to the Jedi Temple and train them as Jedi. That, to me, would have been really interesting if they had gone that route, where Finn can then go on this arc over the course of three movies, and not only is he helping along with the, the other adventures that everybody's going on, but he's also trying to find out why did I defect from the First Order? Um, and there are other... I'm finding out that there are others. Why did they defect? What was it that helped us break through our training... Um, from the First Order and, and, and come to the other side of this. That, to me, would have, would have been way more interesting, and that's too much for this movie to take on. So that, I, I, I would go back and I would restructure this trilogy differently, um, if that's the case. This movie didn't feel like it was wrapping up a nine-part saga. I know that's what everybody, everybody kept saying, that this is the end, the end of the Skywalker saga. It, this movie would have been a good part one or part two of three. Um... I don't feel like it did a very good job of wrapping things up. Um, I, I've i been getting texts this morning about, you know, how'd you like the movie? What did you think of it? And I'll just read you what I had texted to uh, the, the other guys who do the podcast. I kept it spoiler-free because they haven't seen it yet. Some of them haven't seen it yet. So I said, um, I said, I had a lot of fun watching it. Also, I had a lot of problems with it, so I'm a little conflicted. It answers a few questions, but then raised a bunch more that don't get answered, and here's what I kind of said. As a movie that's supposed to wrap up all nine movies, I didn't like it as much. As a movie that wraps up this trilogy of seven, eight, and nine, it was okay. As a standalone Star Wars movie, it was a lot of fun, and definitely nonstop. So as a standalone movie, I really enjoyed this movie. As a wrapping up of this trilogy, it was all right. As a wrapping up of all nine movies of the Skywalker saga, nope did not like it for that. So that's I, I, that's where I'm a little conflicted in this because it, it does it does its different jobs well, not quite as well, and really, in my opinion, not good at all. So 
if you're wrapping up the Skywalker saga, this is another thing I wrote in my notes, if you're wrapping up the Skywalker saga, you need to incorporate more Anakin. A disembodied voice at the end of the movie is not enough. That is such a huge part of this entire story. I feel like we needed to see Hayden Christensen as a Force ghost. Um, or, or delve more into, you know, the... I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, reach back into some of the moments from within the prequel trilogy and, and pull some stuff from there, too. Nothing. There was nothing, I feel like, un, until you got Anakin's disembodied voice at the end. Um, to me, that doesn't help wrap up the Skywalker saga because Luke is not the only Skywalker. Um, so, there's that. Uh, the Last Jedi established the legend of Skywalker. You have the kids telling that story of how he faced down the First Order. Um, and to me, when I saw that, I thought, oh, this is great. What they're going to do in the next, the last movie is they're going to show how that legend has built again. Like the new legend of Luke Skywalker. How, you know, now he's back. And this is going to be the spark that lights the fire that burns down the First Order. And it, like all that stuff that I loved from The Last Jedi. And... It doesn't happen. Like nobody answers, nobody answers their calls. Uh, Lando, the way they get reinforcements, you don't see any of this. It's all off screen. You don't see a building. You don't see the spark lighting a fire. You see Lando and Chewie going out and like, all right, we're gonna go get reinforcements. We'll be back. And then they come back with a ridiculous amount of reinforcements. It was cheap. It was lazy storytelling again. It was, I felt like it was J.J. Abrams, and, and I like J.J. Abrams, so I don't want anybody to think that I'm just, I'm completely dumping on him as a director, but it was, it was just lazy. I wanted to see that. Like, I, I think there are ways that you could have done that, and they're not paying me to make the movie, but I'm saying there are ways that you could have done that that show a spark lighting a fire that will burn down the First Order, just continuing that thread. Even if you hate The Last Jedi, that's still a great sentiment. That's part of what Star Wars is. That you're a rebellion, you are a spark that lights the fire, that burns down the Empire, that you are the... It, it just didn't happen. Like, we should have seen the resistance build through little moments throughout. You know, after they were decimated in The Last Jedi, we should have seen that happen in little moments throughout this movie. Okay, so I've already said, kind of in relation to the sequel trilogy, my emotional reaction to this movie is this is this comes in third place if I'm ranking it with the other movies. Um, emotionally, when Han Solo was killed in The Force Awakens, that was huge. Uh, when we see Luke at the end of the movie, that was huge. Last Jedi, so many different moments. When we thought Leia was going to die. When we see... Um, uh, when we see... Um, Luke on Octu and and you know his struggle with everything and then at the very end of the movie when Luke makes his sacrifice I mean that just way more emotionally involved in those movies than this one um, in terms of story I gotta put this one last in this trilogy too uh, it was I mean, again it was fun but it was it was kind of a mess story wise um, as I've said before I like Last Jedi. And I think that keeps coming up as we talk about this movie. Um, I know that's unpopular among some fans, but I enjoyed it. I like how it juxtaposed our legends versus our realities. Um, and ultimately, Luke is a legend because he comes back from making the biggest mistake of his life. Um, I think you see that in a lot of different characters. Whether it's, I've talked about my religious faith before, there's a whole bunch of characters in, in even the Bible itself where they make a huge mistake. Like life-altering, life-ending mistakes. And you might look at that and be like, well, that character would never do that. Uh, well, that person did in the story. And they came back from it. Like, they, they didn't... That didn't ruin them forever. Um, nobody's beyond redemption. And I really like that about The Last Jedi. Um, I just felt more emotion, excitement, and impact when I left Last Jedi and Force Awakens than I did leaving The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, if I want to make an analogy between food, um, I feel like The Force Awakens was comfort food. It was mac and cheese. Like, it was, oh, this is a... We're back again. It's, this is a comfortable place. I'm really enjoying this. This is great. The Last Jedi made me feel like I had just tried a new foreign food for the first time. And I wasn't sure if I liked it at first, 
but it was spicy and it was different. And once I kind of tried it a couple more times, it's like, no, actually, you know what? I do. I like this. It's not my usual thing. Maybe I can't have it all the time, but it's different and it's a little spicy. Rise of Skywalker made me feel like I just skipped dinner and ate a plate of cookies. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, um, you know, unless you're diabetic, but I'm not as full in a good way as I was after Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Um, it just it felt like the action was there, the music was there, the performances were there, but I just didn't feel like I... I didn't feel like I got all the nutrition that I needed um, from that particular meal. It was, it was a plate full of cookies, and I love a plate full of cookies, but... Uh, not just not quite the same. Again, uh, music. I mentioned music before. Music was outstanding. Cues from everything. You had themes from uh, probably from the prequels too. I think I picked up a couple little things here and there. But you brought back music from everything from Star Wars, Empire, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, Last Jedi. Um, just great, absolutely great. We heard um, Duel of the Fates in I think some of the trailers, and. I don't think I remember hearing Duel of the Fates at all in the movie. So, I mean, that was something I was kind of expecting to maybe hear at least a little cue of Duel of the Fates, and maybe I missed it. I'm going to have to wait for the, the uh, soundtrack show to do one on this movie. But acting in McDiarmid, amazing. He can just play Palpatine for the rest of his life, and that would just be amazing. Uh, Daisy Ridley, obviously feeling much more comfortable in this movie. John Boyega, he's hit his stride as Finn. I really like the Finn character in this movie. You know, he's not as, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, anxiety-ridden or unsure of himself. Uh, Oscar Isaac is always great. Adam Driver, I really liked Adam Driver's performance in The Last Jedi. I thought it was okay in this one. I liked it better in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, so... Uh, pacing for this movie, again, nonstop. It didn't feel like two and a half hours. When I left that theater, I was like, whoa, that, I don't feel like that was a two and a half hour movie. Definitely was, but... Uh, so where do we go from here? Um, I feel like Return of the Jedi left us with no questions. I don't think I had too many questions at the end of Return of the Jedi. I knew how it ended. Like, it wrapped everything up. And they had the celebration, everybody was fine, the galaxy was going to move on. Great. We could end the story there. Rise of Skywalker leaves so many questions. Lando and Jaina, what's that all about? Do you know where you're from? She, I forget what she says. No, not really. Um, well, let's find out. What does that mean? We, are we, we're going to go off an adventure? I feel like you're almost trying to, it's, it's almost like trying to set up for, we could have some Disney Plus uh, TV series now, Lando and Jaina. Uh, Finn and the Force, like what's going on with that? Is he going to train to be a Jedi? Ray on Tatooine, is she going to start a new Jedi Academy? I almost saw her looking at that old homestead and thinking, oh, I could turn this into a Jedi Academy. You know? And poor Chewie, like his life debt is over. And, you know, it kind of, it didn't turn out very well. Like everybody's dead. So I'm not sure it was the most successful life debt ever. Basically, don't hire Chewie to be your life debt partner and don't hire Kylo to be your teacher. I take that back. I would totally ask, ask Chewie to uh, be my life debt partner. Um, I feel like, too, it, just, it was a lack of coherent and planned overarching story that hurt this trilogy. Um, I really think Lucasfilm, I'm sure they're doing this already. I'm sure they're listening to me, of course. Uh, Lucasfilm just needs to regroup and plan before making any other trilogies. This trilogy was very disjointed. Um, and so I feel like that would be a good next step for them. Uh, would be Because it, it just... Watching this movie, I did sit there and I, I did think, did they plan this thing out? Because I really don't know that they did. And did Ryan Johnson go rogue with The Last Jedi? And, and just, did he get information from the rest of them and just say, yeah, whatever. I'm not using that. If he did, okay. But then what was, what were the rest of the people running Lucasfilm doing during this whole time? Because I feel like there's other times when people have just said, you know, we're going to rein in... If we don't like the way something's being done, Lord and Miller with the solo movie. If we don't like the way things are being done, we're going to rein it in. We're going to reevaluate. And we've got this very strict set of, you know, the, the Star Wars Bible, maybe, you know, whatever you want to call it, that we're going to follow. Um, that didn't so much seem to happen with this trilogy. So, so I guess I'll just repeat what I said before about this particular movie. 
as a stand well let's go backwards so I end on something happy um, as a movie that wraps up all nine Star Wars movies numbered Star Wars movies um, I don't think I liked it as a movie that wraps up this trilogy it was okay like there's a lot of stuff it could have done better but it was okay as a movie as a Star Wars movie that stands on its own as a single Star Wars story it was a ton of fun and I really really enjoyed it um, so I didn't want this episode of the podcast to come across as me just completely bashing it. Um, but I, I did clearly have some issues with it. So, so be it, Jedi. So despite all the problems and everything else, I did really enjoy this movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, I just gave away the entire plot. But uh, if you have seen it, I would really recommend going to see it again. I'm going to go see it a second time as well and then come back with some more, um, I'm sure, thoughts and opinions on this. I'm sure that if we're interacting with each other on Twitter, Facebook, one of those places that um, you know we'll, we'll be able to share some of these thoughts as well. Would love to hear from any of you if you'd like to call into the voicemail line. It's 872-356-6843. That's a great way to kind of share your thoughts with us too. We'd be able to play them on the air and respond back to them. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, really looking forward to hearing how everybody else is feeling about the movie and, um, and then going from there and then coming up really soon, we're going to be heading into our 1990 movies. So we are looking forward to that as well. So as always... Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. Go watch a good Star Wars movie. And we'll see you back here next time.